The deadline for the voting for Oscar winners, those who are nominated, is coming up really soon, February 22nd, I believe, and then the Oscars will be presented shortly thereafter on March 10th. We are lucky to have with us in the studio Larry Hott, Emmy Award-winning Florence-based filmmaker Larry Hott, and he will be voting for, among other films, the best documentaries. So, Larry Hott... I think you're going to have this disclaimer. I don't know. I didn't have an inappropriate relationship with any of the filmmakers. <laughs> but that said, and I know you're going to tell us you can't tell you tell us who you were voting for, but you can tell us your impressions and your analysis of the films and which are among the really best films. And I would like to start there with the nominees for documentaries. The nominees for documentary are... Oh, wait a minute. Can we start with the inappropriate relationships, Larry? I just want to say that in the dictionary, next to appearance of impropriety is my photograph. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Starting there. But really, seriously, in in the uh, nominees for documentaries, best documentaries in the last year, uh, there are some that we have discussed on on this show before. And I think we should continue those conversations because I would like to be able to hear as much as we can from you without disclosing, of course. Have you voted yet? I have not voted yet because okay. they don't even let you vote until the, they start. <laughs> the, okay. It's very complicated, and they, they, the computer sends a message to you, and you have to go on, and you put in your code, and then they take your fingerprints, and <laughs> your, your, your retina, they read your, your eyeballs. It's the global entry system. But I am now reviewing... The non-documentaries, which I haven't seen because I concentrated on watching literally hundreds of documentaries to get to this point. And the system is very complicated, but basically they boil it down eventually to 15. And those on the short list then get voted on by the members of the documentary committee to come up with the nominations. Those then get voted on by all six or 7,000 members. Now, what's interesting of the Academy of, the Academy of, Mo- of Motion, Motion Picture, Picture Arts, Arts and, and Sciences, Sciences. AMPIS. Every year, there's this question of how political is the vote. And generally oh, when Larry, it, let me ask you, how political oh, is I'll the vote? I'll tell you. <laughs> it's quite political, as you can imagine. And generally, it skews towards what does Hollywood like? Hollywood likes Hollywood. And they vote for films that are generally about Hollywood or connected to Hollywood in some way in terms of documentary. But that's only when you get to the whole membership. When it's the voting of the documentary group, which is somewhere between 250 and 400 people, then it's a little messier. It's kind of hard to figure out. No, that sounded pretty messy. That's very messy. (laughs) What you started with sounded pretty messy. Getting messier? It's it's, it's messier. It's unsanitary. Let me explain (laughs) what I mean by that. Everybody's biased, of course. It's all subjective. But when you get down to the top 15 films, all of them are worthy. Because you have hundreds of people voting on all these films and they boil it down using ranked choice voting. And the top 15 are all worthy. But I was surprised. Stop there for one second. Yes. It's ranked choice voting. So you have a list of 15 nominees and you rank them 1 to 15 in terms of what you think are the the best documentary. And in fact, I have in front of me my list of 15 in order. And many of which we have reviewed on this show. Can I just, just one other preliminary question. So I mean, you, you say political, but... 
In fact, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of money involved in terms of winning. Does it, I know in the feature film arena, it makes, there's a, a, a lot of money that can be made by winning best picture, best director, best actor. But what about in the documentary? Do, is it more profitable? Is your film likely to be uh, Great question. Great question. You're not going to make more money on your film's distribution. I mean, maybe it'll get more theatrical releases, but documentaries, for the most part, don't make a lot of money in the theater. The way it makes money for the filmmaker is it gets their reputation another, get another notch in your belt. You're more likely to get your next project or to get hired by somebody who get commissioned, which is the golden ring. Because raising the money takes years. You get commissioned, it can go very quickly, and that's how you make a living in, in, the, in the business. And your colleague, also a voter, film editor Harry Karamidas, told us, when you said, how did you break into this Hollywood thing? He says, by doing about 60 documentaries yeah. until I got known as a film editor. Right. Well, that's a different, a different question of how, uh, how, how you learn how to do the business. Documentary filmmaking editing is much, much more difficult than feature editing. Any editor will tell you this because in feature editing, you have a script, right? In documentary, you're creating the script as you go along, and you have many, many more options, many more ways of doing it. So the, 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 uh, in Hollywood, a lot of people don't understand that documentary filmmaking is far more difficult. I'm tooting my own horn here, but I know it is. That because you you're all, making decision day after day, right. including what the sequence of, right. of, of and, film and, will... And you go back and reshoot and reshoot. You, sometimes you do that in, in, uh, in feature making, but you're really shooting just a scene or two to get the dialogue right. Uh, it's rare that you go back and, and, and completely reorganize the, f the film. You can take the, the salad of your documentary film and toss it in the air and come up with 10 different versions that could all work. It doesn't normally go that way in feature films, except for somebody, somebody uh, a, film, a film like Pulp Fiction, for example, which, which broke all the rules by putting things completely out of order. But still, each scene was edited to a script. <laughs> so what happened this year with uh, my top 15, and this is the first time this has happened in the 25 years I've been voting, or 30 years I've been voting, none of my top five made it into the top five. My list of 15 is upside down. What I put at the bottom of that 15, the other voters put at the top. Right? Now, I'm saying they're all worthy. They're all good films. This is very subjective. So let me tell you what got nominated. Okay. And, 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 and as you probably recognize, and any longtime listener of the show will know, that we didn't review any of the films that made it to the top five yet because I didn't choose them as worthy of being reviewed. Uh, but they are now the nominees. In, in and the nominees in the category of, uh, of best, best documentary, documentary are, are drum roll. First one is Bobby Wine, the People's President. Bobby Wine ran for president of Uganda against a Trump-like character who is in office. It's very easy to identify with his film as you watch it, uh, and it's uh, mostly in whatever languages. Uganda has several languages, and some in in English. Uh, that's why we don't have a clip of it now. So that's the first one in alphabetical order. The second one is The Eternal Memory, which is about a newscaster. It's this documentary, member, and his wife, and the newscaster, very, very well known in Argentina, uh, has dementia, and his wife is caring for him. And we have all this footage of this man as a newscaster going back 30 years, and all the horrible politics of Argentina, and you see his decline. 
right? Very powerful film. Four Daughters. Uh, this is a film out of Yemen. Uh, I think we maybe did talk about this on, on the show. This is uh, about a mother of four daughters, two of whom, the eldest, have gone off to live with ISIS, right? And it becomes a big case, big embarrassment to the Yemeni's uh, government. And the film is interesting because there's actors playing some of the people, some of the people are playing themselves. There's a woman playing the mother, but the mother's in the background uh, correcting the actress <laughs> who's playing her. Uh, so it's a real mix of genres there. Uh, the fourth one is To Kill a Tiger. Uh, this is a film about a 13-year-old girl who is raped in a small Indian village and her father and mother's attempt to get justice when the village just wants the 13-year-old girl to marry one of her rapists to make the whole thing go away. And the final film, and I think probably the most horrifying of these films, is 20 Days Mariupol, which is about the 20 days that Mariupol in Ukraine was bombed at the beginning of the war and what happened as the, as the city and the people deteriorate. Right. They're, all, they're all good films, but they're not the films that I voted for, and I will go into those films in a second. But what I think is going on here is that the members of the documentary division voted for films that they felt were the most important politically. Not, not in a timely not, way. Timely, not necessarily the best crafted films, the most, even the most powerful films, but what they thought were going to say something, make a statement. A political statement Politi at a time when politics in these countries is fraught, and these films tell stories about how, given the political atmosphere of the country at the present time, why they matter. But it's also the politics here are fraught, and we are reflecting back at ourselves. We're looking at these films and saying, what about what's happening here that we can relate to? And you've reviewed all these films. I have seen all these. I haven't reviewed them all uh, here, I, but I've right. seen all these films. Uh, Bobby Wine, uh, the one that really stands out for me, was about an election and what happens when there's a repressive president in power who tries to put his enemies in jail, which, you know, if you have somebody who's going to be a dictator on day one, this is what would happen. We'll find out the answer to what happens when we continue our conversation with Emmy Award-winning Lawrence-based filmmaker. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Florence-based Emmy Award-winning filmmaker Larry Hott. None of your top picks for the documentary are, in fact, the final selected. Yeah, it shows what I know. Well, <laughs> well. But no, but I was, as I was saying, uh, it's all so close. Out of the 15 on the short list, they're all worthy films. Uh, my choices were very different. The committees, after the votes were tallied, came up with five nominees. Okay, give us the five nominees, okay. and if Bobby, you can't... Bobby what you Wine, the People's President, about a Uganda election. The Eternal Memory, about a couple uh, where a man is going through dementia. Four Daughters, uh, uh, about two daughters out of four who join ISIS. Uh, to Kill the Tiger, about a 13-year-old girl who's and her parents attempt to get justice. And 20 Days in Mariupol, about a Ukraine city that's bombed for 20 days in a row by the Russians at the beginning of the war. Okay, take a minute and tell us what you think of these films. You've already well, told us you think they're, they're good all, films. I think they're all great, but I don't think they were the best-made films, okay. which is how I judge these films. Uh, and I think that's the, what you should be judging films on. Uh, so my top five, and my very best, my most favorite film was American Symphony, 
which is about John Baptiste and, and his wife, and it's about his writing of a, a symphony to be formed at Carnegie Hall when he's also at the same time dealing with his wife's I've got to say, I watched it based on your recommendation, Larry Hutt, and I thought it was a terrific film. I was really it, moved by it's it. It's beautifully made. It's, made, it's uh, produced and directed by Matthew Heinemann, a wonderful young filmmaker, still in his 30s, who uh, is known for a film called Cartel Land, his first film. Uh, and he just has a wonderful touch. Uh, the cinematographer is somebody I know very well who I've worked with, with a lot, named Thor Thielo, who would communicate with me his disappointment <laughs> about how this film could not have been. Uh, there is no justice, he said in his email. Uh, my second uh, film was stamped from the beginning uh, by uh, X. Imbri. Oh, I'm not blanking on his name, but uh, yes. he's with a book of the same name. That's a beautifully made film uh, about racism in America. It's in, it's in depth, it's smart, it's fast paced, uh, it's well organized, beautifully edited. It, 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 it's, it is Don, Ron DeSantis's nightmare film. You know, this, is, this is critical race theory in a film. Very clear and entertaining, and it should be shown in every classroom. But particularly, I think it should, we should tie DeSantis down and pop his eyes open and make him watch this film. By the way, I, I read that book, as did Dan, and I found that the movie was just a whole lot more yeah. powerful because it wasn't, it wasn't as scholarly, it wasn't as no. thorough, but it was really it's, making it's a, it's, a, it's a good lesson in how to take a scholarly work and make it approachable for exactly. everybody. Apollonia, Apollonia. Uh, we did review this film here. And you actually, Buzz, talked to me about the, what the meaning of Apollonia was. Uh, Apollonia, Apollonia is about a girl, a woman named Apollonia, whose family moves to Paris, and she is an artist, and is what the life of an artist is, uh, trying to make it in the in the art world, going to the the school of Beaux Arts, and uh, how does she deal with with life? And it's really, uh, I think, any artist of any type can identify with this person is so driven. Right, and it's a great portrait. Uh, the fourth one, I was actually kind of surprised at myself for liking this film so much. It's called Still Michael J. Fox. Okay. And it is Michael J. Fox's biography as told through his films and television shows and what he's going through with Parkinson's disease. And it's sponsored by his own foundation. Uh, it's a beautifully made film, extremely entertaining. And I thought that this film would probably get nominated and probably win because it is the pure Hollywood film. Right? This is a film about Hollywood and a documentary about Hollywood. They love those kind of films. Uh, and it didn't get up to the nominations, uh, although I think it's still a very popular film. Everybody I know who's seen this film is very affected by it. And of course, I know plenty of people Michael who have J. Parkinson's. Fox, Michael J. Fox being outspoken about his battle with Parkinson. Uh, yeah, it's more it's than his... Really it's, moving. it's more than just his battle. It's He's... he's uh, Constantly falling down in the film, his face is bruised. You see how his family's dealing with it. He's so honest and raw. Uh, so it's and it's just a clever. And film. he was an iconic Hollywood actor, right? Yeah, he is. And you, you, know, you use the scenes from Back to the Future and Family Ties and the things that you know I grew up with. Um, it's fascinating to watch. Um, and the fifth film in this is Dep Desperate Souls, Midnight Cowboy. I mean, talk about growing up with something, something iconic. Uh, this is interviews with John Voight and the director of the film. And what, what was the cultural significance of Midnight Cowboy? And if you remember how different this film was, uh, it's, if you watch the film now, which I've done recently, it's only a little bit dated in some of the disco hippie scenes in it. But most of it is a portrait of a love story. 
uh, between the, the, the two main characters, remember Ratso Rizzo right? and the Midnight Cowboy character. Everybody's talking about it. Right, beautiful. Harry Nilsson performed a song actually written by, by somebody else. Um, but the movie uh, grabs you and holds on to you. And now it's, it's, it's over 50 years old. Um, so doing a documentary about a movie <laughs> and its cultural symbolism uh, for me, that was uh, also another Hollywood thing. Out of these, out of the five films that I chose, three of them Hollywood would love: American Symphony, John Baptiste. He's a he's an entertainment character. Michael F J. Fox, Desperate Souls. Uh, so I'm already a little bit confused by so Hollywood. much for hooray for Hollywood. Huh? Yeah, yeah. But it, this, these were chosen by the documentary committee. Had they made it to the nomination, I think it would have been easy for them to. I have chosen. a quick comment on American yeah. Symphony, which I really loved. What was there? But I desperately wanted more. I wanted to know more about how they got together. I wanted to know about more about their backstory before they met. I mean, the story. This is a story of, of a year plus in the in. in well, isn't it life. great when a movie uh, documentary, particularly, leaves you wanting more? I mean, that is a sign of a good film. We leave it there. We've been speaking with Larry Hunt, and we'll find out sooner or later. We're going to break him down and going to tell us how you vote. We're waiting where we take him in for March tenth is the date. You're going to have to tie me down to get me to answer that. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Larry Hart, thanks so very Bye much. Bye. It has been Cool Films with Larry Hart. He knew right then he was too far from home.